Hi there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Jason McIntosh. Hi there, Jason. Hi there, Bradford. Good to be here. It's, thank you. I really do appreciate you coming here today with us. So, Jason, just to get us started, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, so my background is in uh, information technology and education. So, I've had uh, worked in all kinds of different uh, genres of companies. I've worked in uh, pharmacy. I've worked in health insurance. I've worked in consulting. I've worked in entertainment. Uh, so I had some some health issues in 2012 that kind of brought me to, you know, what do I want to do with the rest of my life if I don't want to sit in a cubicle? And um, I had a friend who I'd worked with a lot over the years to help him in what I thought was a cool business. He had started a, a gaming center in 2004. Okay. And so over the years since 2004, I worked with him on a few different website projects and, and such. And um, come 2012, when I had my health issues, I kind of decided, well, what if we, we worked together and we started a new location in Indianapolis? And so um, eBash Gaming Centers is, is our background. We've had a store in small Terre Haute, Indiana for 15 years, still going today. Um, and I started uh, eBash Indianapolis, a branch of their company in 2013. And then since then, kind of the, the transformation of eBash Indianapolis has turned into our uh, land center and esports arena management software called GG Leap, which now runs over 700 locations around the world. Fantastic. And there's a lot to unpack there. And I really want to dump, dive right <laughs> into all this. Uh, but before I do that, I always start every, every interview with a single question. It's kind okay. of a fun question just to get us started um, because we're supposedly all gamers here. So let's, uh, let's, yeah, yeah. let's be ourselves. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you, Jason? Well, that is, a, that is also a large question to unpack. <laughs> now, how weird am I in the gaming world is I've had a, a gaming system in my home since I was five years old, so I'm 42. So let's look at about like 1982, I had an Atari 2600, and that was really my babysitter. No offense to my parents, but, you know, I played the heck out of that, which which uh, transformed into an Atari 7800, which transformed into a Nintendo 16-bit. And uh, so, you know, that's, that's my prime. So I'm, I'm 25, 30 years maybe out of the, the normal genre of a gamer. But, um, you know, that's where the, the love of gaming started for me. Um, and as far as being in the in the esports world and and being in the gaming world, I obviously still have a penchant for uh, for gaming, but it's more in the uh, I would say the competition and the data that surrounds gaming in general. Okay, well, you're jumping ahead of me a little bit. I asked you how weird you are, and you told me your life story. <laughs> well, I mean, how weird am I? I mean, I love random humor. I have done go. I have done uh, improv comedy at one point. Um, I have done, uh, you know, I love random, I love the joke after the joke. So, you know, the, the joke that hits you, but maybe they say something really random after the joke. And I think that's what I, I latch on to the most as far as like being weird in an entertainment perspective, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very baseline star Wars, uh, Lord of the Rings guy. 
Um, you know, I just, I'd say, I just love random humor and, 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 and my wife would, that's kind of our, our kismet is just being very weird and random with jokes. I love it. Uh, you and I are going to get along great because I'm the exact same <laughs> way. The jokes are almost always inappropriate and at the wrong time. <laughs> there you go. So, exactly. okay, so you told me how you started playing as a gamer. Um, kind of, can you walk me through how your love of gaming kind of led you to where you're at now? Sure. So, um, you know, I would say that I've always had a love for gaming. And I say, you know, I talked about Nintendo, but even as a young person, even every opportunity that I could take to go to a old school arcade or an old school go-karting place that may have had putt-putt or one of that, that was kind of a family tradition for me. So, you know, the being able to take your friends to a location and and play together, see who can get up on the leaderboards and the scoreboards uh, was always, you know, I'm a competitive person, formerly very athletic in, in high school and whatever. So that that really carried over from traditional athletics into esports. And so my transition kind of into the gaming arena as a professional, mm -hmm. uh, I kind of taught myself web design and web development when I was in college. And I always liked to build practice sites that were related to gaming. And so when I realized that, uh, you know, having web design skills really applied to any business, you know, any business needed a computer person or someone that that knew how to promote them online. Uh, I figured when I got into the, the land center business and the esports businesses, you know, I obviously can use my skills uh, for anything. So why not is, be something that I enjoy, which is, which is playing games. Fantastic. So you were a nerd at the right time in history. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think, you know, maybe when I was younger, it wasn't as cool to be a nerd, but now, you know, uh, I think people don't realize that that most people end up working for nerds, so that's okay. That's absolutely right. So, uh, are there any games or updates you're looking to coming out soon? Well, unfortunately, work is kind of my game, and I, I always that. my random joke that I always tell people is that I my favorite video game is business emails, and I never win. Uh, there's always more to be be attacked. I but uh, we do a lot of stuff with with Fortnite competitions and with stat tracking from our for our global network. So it's always kind of cool to see, um, you know, what country is getting into the the into what game. Uh, you know, we see a lot of international presence in Asia and South America with Dota. And uh, Fortnite is all across the board, pretty much. Uh, you know, League of Legends is obviously popular in the United States. But it's kind of fun to go in and see just which countries are uh, interested in what games and seeing what kind of stats that they can um, uh, break out. And, and a lot of times we, we work with a company that does some uh, baseline statistics for universities. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see from our statistic perspective, what's the baseline for colleges being interested in providing scholarships to these players and what they're, what they're uh, executing in the games. Very interesting. And I, I want to unpack that too a little later. We got one more gaming related question, then we'll get straight to the business. Okay. Um, 
What's, so you've had the whole spectrum of video games at your disposal. Yeah. What's your favorite of all time? Wow. Um, my favorite all time is one I can't seem to, to, to grab on a, uh, on a new platform that may be embracing the, the old school, and that's Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh, and, yeah. and the reason why I love it is I love boxing video games. But what I love about Mike Tyson's punch out is just the, uh, just the internationalness across the board of their characters, uh, their different abilities and, and difficulties. Um, and I always want to see how quickly I can speed test through that game. I can't remember what the actual term is, but, uh, uh, and, uh, I love just to be able to to see if my hand eye coordination can still beat Mike Tyson at the end of the game. <laughs> I uh, I really appreciate you bringing that one up because that's actually the game that I started with. Oh I, yeah, to date myself, I was too, and at babysitters, and they had the system, and I played it, and that was the game that got me hooked. So yeah, I understand. that's awesome. Okay, so. You've kind of given us a little bit about your professional background. Could you start there for me, please? Uh, about my professional background? Yeah. Sure. So, um, foundation to, to tell yeah, us. Yeah. So, my, my degree was in information systems from Purdue University in Indiana. And I went into the pharmaceutical industry right out of college. And I worked for a, a manufacturing a wing of uh, Eli Lilly, which is a, a pharmaceutical company that, that developed Prozac. And uh, basically I just jumped in w with both feet and kind of got into the web development realm. And so I worked for a few different companies in IT and still kind of had the hobby of doing web design and web development as, as freelance. And then um, that transitioned into a job uh, after I did my graduate degree in informatics, uh, which is just kind of a, a multidisciplinary graphics, 3D web uh, uh, programming uh, okay. program. And then I began teaching. So I, I taught on a college level at, uh, there was a chain called the Art Institute. It wasn't It was a, a for-profit school. And so then I actually taught web design and programming to both uh, web design students and graphic design students. Very cool. Okay, and then at some point, a buddy came up to you and, and wanted to start a land center. Well, I had I had worked with him over the years, and, uh, and you know, I was kind of at a point in my life where uh, I wanted to take a risk. I had a little bit of money saved, so we invested in, and bought out a land center that existed in Indianapolis. And we applied our eBash Gaming Center brand that was from Terre Haute to Indianapolis. My big piece of the, the gaming location was we did uh, technology summer camps. So I took my, my experience from teaching mm -hmm. and I built curriculums around uh, programming that was aimed at kids. So what we did was we did an eight-week program and each week would be a different curriculum and kids did programming in the morning and then we did team-based gameplay in the afternoon. So it was stuff like 
we did Minecraft stuff, we did Team Fortress, we did Smash Brothers. It was just kind of different games each day. But we utilized different tools like Kodu and Construct and a few different things and just tried to instill the basics of programming logic so that they could mess around with some software in five or 10 minutes and have something tangible, which may just be uh, dragging a character onto a, a stage saying, you know, if I hit the up arrow, the character moves up. If I hit the space bar, the character uh, launches a, a, a bullet out of, out. And, and a lot of that stuff was pre-built into the, into the programming uh, uh software but at the same time instead of a younger student trying to type out everything to make it work they were able to just do drag and drop stuff and quickly create something in game design which made them feel accomplished and so once they did that and we would build on it each day but once they could do that then they're saying okay you've come this far let's see what else you can do with it and just kind of give them free time to roam through the different options that were in the game. Uh, Depending on the software they were doing, you know, they may be able to choose certain options. They may be, but if the, if the logic doesn't fit, the software wouldn't work. Um, So very simple building a land, adding in characters, adding in images, enemies creating heads up displays you know stuff like that so they felt felt accomplished in building something absolutely so that's fantastic wonderful work you were doing um so you're doing summer programs you have these centers how does that transition into having a software that now runs so many different centers right so for for about 10 years we utilized a competitor software and we had we since we had 14 years of experience in the land center business we we were connected to a lot of other locations that were doing stuff around the united states and beyond so we started to build our software on top of our competitors and all we were doing was pulling league of legends stats so we had a we had a, a a couple of developers that also used to be in the land center business that we knew, and we started to build um, stats that while people were logged in, they were earning coins, just like your your traditional family entertainment chain. You play skee ball, you mm-hmm. get a decent score, you get six tickets that you can redeem for balloons or right. a pencil or something. So while these players were logged in. They were earning one coin per minute. Um, If they played League of Legends, we were pulling their statistics through a League of Legends API, Riot API, and um, we were applying what they did in-game to their coin total. And then what a land center could do is they were giving prizes. They were giving uh, free time out to their location. They were giving uh, snacks and drinks, swag, whatever they had available based on what those, those, the coins that their players were earning. Okay. So just like your traditional arcade, um, we would create leaderboards and we would say who had the most uh, League of Legends kills for the week, who had the total amount of coins, and being able to present that on a big screen that people could watch and say, this is the pulse of what's going on in our land center. Um, so 
the whole point of our software was to be able to provide incentives for players to want to come back. Mm-hmm. And so we got to a point with our, with the, the older competitive software that, Hey, we really can't control everything we want to control. And so, because their code base was a little bit older. And so we just kind of came to the decision that we just have to build something ourselves. Okay. And so that, that started uh, about a year and a half of building land center management software that was completely cloud-based uh, I, I do believe we were the first ones to do a com- completely cloud-based solution. And the reason why that's important is because when other competitor software uh, was installed, a, a, a location would have to buy a server just to run that software. Okay. Where we could build a server in the cloud and people could just install and go. Um so, you know, we spent a year and a half doing that. And the whole time, this is a very grassroots movement. We, connect, went, we reached out to land centers that we knew. We reached out to land centers just randomly and cold called and said, hey, we're doing this new software. Do you want to try it out? Uh, you can be a, a pioneer. And, and, and a lot of centers just, uh, I would say, invested for long-term savings. Mm-hmm. And that helped us fuel our development. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of how, how that all came to be. Uh, you know, it's looking back to where we are now to where we are then, you know, it's, it's a, a very different, uh, scenario, but, uh, that's how GG leap came to be. Certainly. And you said you have over 700 clients around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is this business how fairly involved or is it fairly hands off? Well, I don't sleep much, Brad. So uh, it is fairly hands-on. Um, and the reason we do that is because a lot of our competitors, um, you know, they have their their eight to five support. Um, and so sometimes, you know, time is money for anybody. So what we try to do with our software is get back to people as quickly as possible. We have a 24-7 support team. Um, and we want to make sure that if there's an issue, we know about it immediately. Um, you know, obviously in our early days, we had some, some issues with uh, a little bit of downtime here and there, never, never anything more than an hour. But, you know, depending on the country, if something was down for, you know, an hour, their, their location would be emptied out. And so, so we've gotten better at that. Uh, there's very little downtime now with our software. Um, but yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought other than, uh, we just try really hard to be there for the customers because, uh, any time that uh, with the modern games being connected to the internet, with our software being connected to the internet, um, uh, you know, a connection is vital. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, you had a land center. Mm-hmm. Or a land centers, mm-hmm. and now you have this software. How has your job responsibilities changed between those two? And how yeah, did you absolutely. Well, um, fortunately for me, you know, we, uh, you know, I was kind of the manager of the land center location here in Indianapolis, and uh, at the same time, our software was being developed. My job was more of keeping 
one hand on the store, just kind of generally knowing what was going on day to day for the business. Mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't a lot of hands on that I had to do because we had decent employees that were brought over from our other location. Um, and then from a software perspective, it was just, you know, doing, wearing 10 different hats, you know, doing support, doing marketing, doing the website, doing, uh, you know, sales, et cetera. And, you know, I would say any entrepreneur would tell you that it's 10 times harder to run your own business than it is just to be an employee of the business. That's right. Because your job is never done. Um, there's, al there's always something out there lurking, whether it's something you can focus on or if it's just, let's try to get get customers in and paying and getting getting money on the on the tab okay now were those job responsibilities that you were prepared for or have you had like to learn as you go well um i would say that that i'm a, i'm a fairly outgoing person i you know i would say professionally i'm a fairly outgoing person maybe at home i'm more of a more of an introvert but I, I don't really have a problem uh, talking to people. I think uh, sales was never really my my go-to. You know, I was a I was a developer most of my career, so I just sat in my office and and was a code monkey. So um, I had to kind of bring that, that outgoing personality out to you know really be excited about the software, really telling people how it could benefit them. Uh, so my job kind of became more talking to people about sales, doing demos, um, when I had time building web pages and building videos and building uh, knowledge base uh, articles, et cetera. Um, but as things went along, we were able to bring more people on board to the company. And, um, you know, I still say there's still plenty of stuff for us to do, but uh, my role has, has, lowered a little bit that I can focus more on managing people than, than being the doer and, and doing everything that I possibly can to make things succeed. Okay. And from your perspective, how is it now trans having transitioned into that more managerial role? Cause like you said, you were a code monkey, mm -hmm. a typical per the typical, like stereotypical gamer, like in a cubicle hiding behind, you know, and not letting the world see them. And now you have to be out there. What's that like? It's, it's really tough. I'll tell you, it's really tough because I, I have always kind of lived by the adage of if you're going to do anything right, you got to do it yourself. So for me to provide, to, to garner trust in, uh, someone else being in control of what I would cons somewhat consider my, my, my non-human baby of a, of a company and making sure that, that sales leads are getting followed up with and, and marketing materials are getting out there and uh, support is being taken care of properly. It, it is tough to be able to kind of let that go and be more of a, a managerial role and just kind of look at big picture stuff. Uh, not only was I not ever think I'd be a salesperson, but I never thought I'd be a manager. So, so it's been a very trans, uh, uh, difficult transition for me because when things are out there and I, I know that I'm getting notified on my phone that something's happening and I need to be able to 
answer that to just kind of let that roll and trust in my employees can be can be a tough thing to to uh, address. Okay, has it gotten easier as you've gone along? Yeah, I mean, it, it is getting easier. Uh, we uh, actually just hired um, a, an operations person that was that I worked with ten years ago. And he's kind of already been in the same situation of a growing company and having to transition himself from being a doer to a manager. So I really lean on him a lot to say, you know, I'm worried about A, B, and C. What do I do? And so he's been able to provide me a lot of advice to to really lean on and and, uh, be, be comfortable in my managerial skin. That's fantastic. Okay, so uh, the prices for your software are on your website, so I feel comfortable asking, how is it you make mm-hmm. money? Yeah, so um, th- there are a lot of prongs to that um, and more coming, but I, what I will tell you as quickly as I can is, is we do a, a software as a service subscription. Uh, our management software for land centers, esports arenas, universities, casinos is, is $5 per PC per month. Uh, so you got a, a location that has 20 PCs, you're paying us $100 a month. Uh, we also have a services division that does consulting for land center start- startups. So uh, for those looking to get into the esports business, if you are a networking person or something like that, your skills can be, be utilized in that way. Uh, we go to all kinds of locations to uh, make their network efficient, to set up uh, servers to... Uh, help for game updates to happen faster. And so it's, it's a consulting business more or less that, that we charge somewhere between five to 25,000, depending on what someone needs. Um, the third prong that we provide is we have a, a, a PXE server technology, which helps for game updates. So um, when you have a, a land center that has, 20 PCs, let's say, or more or less, depending on how, how busy you are. When someone, when a new patch for Fortnite comes out, you have to go to 20 plus PCs and update Fortnite on 20 plus PCs. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a, a product now called GG rock and it is a competitive product to other pixie boot solutions that are out there. And it allows you to update one PC and to distribute all those updates to your PC floor. Very cool. So that, that saves you time, money, and man hours, uh, paying an employee to do that. Fourth, we have a partnership with Super League Gaming, and we have a, a player prime program where a, a player pays $8 a month and uh, gets a larger amount of coins in our system, gets... Uh, more access to our global prize vault to be able to download things like riot cards, steam cards, peripherals, all kinds of cool stuff that, that super league provides and it's free to business owners. Um, and then, so those are our four prongs right now. We have about, uh, four more prongs coming this year. Uh, so really we're, we're focused on a, the land center business is very difficult and I won't sugarcoat that at all Um, until until, and and how we're trying to combat that is to provide incentives for players to come and play and want to come back to earn prizes, to be uh, participate in automated events, uh, which a lot of our competitors do not do. And so 
we're trying to keep these land centers in business. And, uh, and to do that, we have to really make software that's a easy to use that takes time away from things that a, a normal land center business owner has to do. Like we provide marketing ac- assets, events, um, you know, ease of use software, allowing them to save time when they're doing game updates. Um, you know, just really trying to help a business owner focus on their business versus the 15 other hats they have to wear. It sounds like this is fantastic. And it sounds like you're, you're planning on scaling this year. Um, or there, does that mean there's more transitions for you as well? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm kind of in my initial transition into management. Um, so uh, uh, things are you never know. Um, <laughs> Doesn't matter. I, and, and you just got you just got to keep that flexibility. Uh, I think with a company that's a startup, um, you know, we have we have been lucky enough that we haven't had to do a lot of outbound marketing uh, to for people to find our software. And we've had some very interesting clients come aboard, like our 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 software is utilized at esports arena and in Arlington at, and and at. Uh, the esports arena in Las Vegas, uh, UCI, which is one of the first colleges to do esports, three or four years ago, utilize our software when it was very alpha. Uh, Helix Esports, which is a hundred plus PC location in in New Jersey, and they're getting ready to open one in Boston at Patriot Place. Um, we're at a very interesting time in the land center businesses that not only are more people coming to us to want to do. Uh, gaming locations, but big companies are coming to us. Uh, we've done about 10 different locations with GameStop, uh, where, who they're, they're basically piloting, lowering their mm-hmm. retail and adding in gaming, loc- gaming stations. Right. Um, and there are some big plans out there for people that want to do a, nation, a nationwide chain. We're probably talking to two or three people uh, not only in the U.S., but uh, one in Germany, one in um, one in Denmark, uh, and we're also talking to a big hotel chain that wants to take out business offices in each of their hotels and trans- transition those to small esports spaces. Which every time I let, I talk to a ho- or I go into a hotel, I wonder why they have those anymore because everybody just sits and and uses the Wi-Fi in the room anyway. That is incredible. You deserve some congratulations for being able to pull that off. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, I, uh, again, it, it's kind of the luck of the draw. We've, we've, we've gotten some decent uh, software out there. A lot of people find us on YouTube uh, at youtube.com slash GG circuit, which has about 50 episodes uh, free of content talking about the land center business and uh, people find us there. Then they email us, uh, you know, we just did a, a something for Spotify in New York, and now we're going to do something in, in in overseas for Spotify. And uh, it's just been amazing. Like some of the people that have kind of dipping their toes in esports, but at the same time, um, you know, really co- uh, cool companies that we never expected to be contacted by. Certainly. So uh, my goal for this podcast is always to kind of put. Uh, my viewer in your shoes and be able to walk where you walked. So if, if I could have you go back in time with me to before you ever, ever first got involved with your first land center. Yeah. 
what advice would you have for yourself in order to build quicker, faster, better, stronger, more successful? Um, wow, that's a really great question. Um, you know, the, the land center business, especially in America, does not have a, a model yet that's been proven. Um, I think if anything with the, with the modern day gaming center is to have some, some revenue uh, options beyond just gaming, uh, whether it's snacks and drinks, whether it's uh, entertainment or you're doing tournaments, whether it's doing esports camps or technology camps like I did, uh, don't pigeonhole yourself into just providing casual gaming because uh, it's really not enough unless you're using our software. It's really not enough anymore to just set up PCs and hope people come and play. Right. Um, make sure that you kind of have a multidisciplinary plan going into a, a land center uh, before you say, you know, this is, this is what our, our model is going to be. And, and that's it. Uh, Cause just like, uh, if you focused it on Fortnite, you know, Fortnite's going to be not going to be popular forever. Make sure you're, you're embracing all genres, all games, all types of customers. Um, make sure you're doing birthday parties, make sure you're doing, um, you know, events, bachelor parties, make sure you're doing cold calling. I think that may be probably the number one thing is again, not only just setting up your business and helping people come, but thinking outside the box a little bit, contacting schools, do some field trips, uh, contacting Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Both of those have badge programs where they have to do game development. Um, make, your, uh, make your facility open to that, those types of, of people coming in. Uh, after school programs, Athletics, uh, little leagues and peewee leagues, they all have to have an after season event. So what's better than coming in and playing games together, uh, you know, competing outside of the athletic field. Um, so, so you just really need to be creative. We have a few locations right now that are reaching out to high schools in their area because high schools want to get involved in esports, mm -hmm. but their high school may not want to invest yet on a dedicated esports space. So what's better, you know, everybody for, from basketball to football to lacrosse, whatever, has a two-hour practice every day after school. Mm -hmm. So if esports is going to be prevalent in your school, reach out to these, or in your area's school, reach out to these schools and see if you can be the venue for them to have practice every day. Uh, we have a few locations that are, that are making decent money added on to their regular revenue from just being a practice venue. That is some wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm, I'm genuinely hopeful that somebody watches this episode and goes off and starts one now because you just told them exactly how to do it. Right. Well, you know, uh, it, is, it, it is just an, it is an interesting beast, and I'm really interested to see where it will go, especially with the you know, stuff like Stadia and the NVIDIA G4 stuff that just came out that's at $5 a, a, a month. I really don't think that's going to take the place of social gaming because, you know, your, your five or 16 person isn't going to all come to your house with their setups and hopefully and get set up in your basement or whatever together. You still got to have that place to come and have those 
uh, nonverbal social gaming uh, experiences as well as competitive experiences. And, and um, I think with these locations that are going to be funded by larger companies, as well as your own local mom and pop, you want to, to, to be there. Um, there's, there's no lack of people that are coming out to want to do this type of thing. And, uh, you know, it's just like how, it's just like how the media and kind of general population just says esports. I didn't even really know that's a thing, but you know, there, there, it's on ESPN. It's on the, the big 10 networks and colleges are playing. And we just did the, the largest dedicated esports space in a high school in Missouri a couple months ago. So this stuff isn't going to slow down at all. I, I really believe this will be the next, uh, uh, athletic wave of things, but it's just going to be video games because games are so, um, you know, all the different characters and all the different abilities and all the different strategies. It's really going to become the next athletic sport. Absolutely. Fantastic. Now kind of on the SAS side, how would, what advice would you have for someone who's planning on launching and scaling their own software as a service? Wow. Um, that's a great question. The, and again, I'm not on the development team and I can, and I can tell you what, what I know, obviously a, that's okay. get I'm, yourself I'm marketing and sales. So let's get, get, get yourself a great development team. Um, you know, I'm kind of obsessive compulsive about work, but get yourself a team that doesn't mind, uh, working beyond nine to five doesn't has a lifestyle that can handle that. Um, the, uh, you know, our, uh, make sure that your technologies are scalable. You know, we've utilized Amazon web services for everything to be able to, um, scale all of our online capabilities as far as building cloud servers and building cloud services that all we have to do is click a couple buttons and Amazon does the rest. Mm -hmm. um, the gosh, you know, you just, you just have to be relentless in your pursuit of wanting to succeed. You just have to be relentless and I know that's kind of cliche and, you know, every, every entrepreneur has to be relentless, but if it's really what you believe in and you're going to dedicate 10 to 12 hours plus a day to making something succeed, you have to have partners and, and coworkers that, that really believe in what you're trying to do, that they, that they are willing to uh, do whatever is needed to make things successful. Beautiful, beautiful advice. Thank you so much for that. Okay, I, I harp on that all the time too. So I love hearing it coming back to me. Okay. Um, is it all right if I, I take a moment, well, let's pull back from the business, pull back from kind of gaming. Okay. It's kind of on you as a person because sure. um, part of what I'm trying to do here is, is show not everybody I bring onto my show is Superman. Mm -hmm. right? So if it's all right, I'd like to humble you for just a second. Please. Okay. And I want to, I want to know what is something that you have failed at? Sure. Well, you know, in general, our land center that was here in Indianapolis failed. Um, one, uh, we, 
again, our land center in Terre Haute has been going strong for 15 years. Here in Indianapolis, we had a handful of issues in regards to our location that wasn't really well seen from the street that had a lot of traffic. Um, we had some issues near the end with a few employees and we had to we kind of had a, a round robin of employees for a while near the end. And the, um, the employees that left were followed by a lot of our customers and they kind of said, well, you know, if this employee isn't here anymore, I don't know if I want to be part of the, the business anymore. Um, we had a falling out with the landlord of the location that uh, did uh, had some promised us some improvements in our building that never ended up happening, which caused some, some difficulties. Um, so, you know, the land center that we had in Indianapolis failed and, and that was one of those things that learned that that was a learning process. But at the same time, we kind of had this slow rising of software. So we were okay with closing that location. As long as we had one location to kind of be our R and D location, related to our software. Um, but, you know, I, I think I, other things that I have failed at is that even though I try to be an outgoing person, sometimes I'm not the most confident when it comes to a, uh, a really big client, let's say. And uh, I think that sometimes I may not know all the answers. And even though I may have uh, the answer I think they want, you know, I, I get a little nervous sometimes with those, those big clients. Can I and, talk about that for a second with sure. you? So what is it you think it's causing you to be nervous? Because I mean, it's your software, you know, mostly how it works. Um, is it, you just don't think you're a big enough fish in the pond? Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily that, but some, I think it's because I have, more background information than they do. And so I, I think it's specifically on the topic of, uh, well, your software works like this. I'd really like your software to work like this. Mm -hmm. And so when we get into to topics like that, I, I tend to take a little bit of a back seat just because I know how much is on our developers' plates. Okay. And what our current roadmap is of completing these features this year. And so when, when I talk to a larger client, you know, I can promise them the world, but at the same time, I, I think about, well, how are we going to fit this in to our existing roadmap and still accomplish all the things that are in our current vision for the year? Okay. Um, you know, and, and, and I only say that I get a little nervous for that because we're very lucky to have a lot of these people that come in and want something custom or want an ability to access an API or want, want this, that, and the other. And we're not necessarily at a point yet from a company perspective that we can say no to these big clients that are coming in because it's revenue coming in that we don't have to go out and get an investor for. Um, we have, have had a little bit of an uh, investment in our company and we're working on what we would call series a funding right now for our company. Uh, but we kind of look at it as at it in the less investment we need 
in our company, the better off we'll be personally once we, you know, sell to a bigger entity, whatever. But if Microsoft comes calling, which, you know, we're working with them on their Microsoft stores uh, and possibly using our software, we can't really say no to Microsoft. But um, so, you know, that's one of my, my tendencies is, is I get a little nervous with the, with the bigger clients. All right, wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Um, so let me, I got one more question, then we'll kind of start you know, wrapping up. Okay. Um, what is something that you're currently improving in yourself? Oh, um, that's a great question. I, I just picked up, uh, uh, was suggested by one of my colleagues, a book called Traction. And uh, this book introduces a, a quote-unquote operating system called the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And it's basically a way to streamline a lot of uh, non-necessary tasks in a business and to keep your focus on uh, your vision and uh, to be able to go into a meeting and get a meeting done in 15, 20 minutes versus the, the hour, hour and a half you may have scheduled. Um, so I, I, that is one of the things that I'm working on and we're working on as a company is to bring in that, that uh, entrepreneurial oper operating system, EOS, uh, and to be able to, to streamline uh, our business and to stop worrying about the small stuff and to really focus on delivering our vision. Fantastic. All right. So Jason, how do, how do people find you? Where are you at? What website do they go to? What's your social media? Yeah. So we have a few different properties out there. Um, I would say the top two being uh, ggcircuit.com, ggcircuit.com. Uh, That's our corporate site. So it points you to our player stats. It points you to our case studies of our consulting team. Uh, it points you to our software, which is GG Leap. That would be the second um, property is ggleap.com. That's our management software. Um, there's also some statistic sites on the GG Circuit site that uh, talks, shows our stats of our network over the last year how many locations we're supporting, how many PCs our software's installed on, how many consoles, uh, and the popular games in our network. Um, otherwise, I would check out our par partners at, at superleague.com and, and check out what they're doing from a player perspective and, and doing events. And uh, you can search for us on YouTube, GG Circuit, you can, and then all the regular social channels. Wonderful. All right. So uh, to wrap up, is there anything we didn't talk about you think we still need to? Well, I apologize because Bradford, you haven't had a chance to talk the entire time. Right. I've just I'm been eating up your time. But um, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be on and, and, and to talk about our software. I hope this uh, reaches someone. And, you know, if anyone is interested, let's say, in, in knowing more about the skills that they need or uh, the tenacity they need to be a land center owner, they can feel free to send me an email at uh, jason at ggcircuit.com. Beautiful. Jason, Jason McIntosh with GG Circuit. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. This was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you gave just so much value today. I'm so appreciative. Okay, Brad, we wish you luck on your uh, vodcast and uh, 
Uh, best of luck in the future. All right, thank you. And gamerpreneurs, you all take it easy. Hey, if you like this podcast, I'd love to invite you to check out a little bit more about me, Dr. Bradford Carlton, the Gamerpreneur. If you go to my website, www.thegamerpreneur.com slash bonus, I'm going to give you a free copy of my book, The Warcraft of Business, where I explain my history in both gaming and business and how I brought the two together in order to create some very successful companies and help a lot of people. And all you got to do is pay for shipping and processing, and I'll send you this book. I absolutely know you're going to love it. All right. You all take it easy.